Hi, I'm Michelle, compulsive overreader. Morning, everyone. Thanks to Peter for inviting me to lead this meeting. Um, it's really an honor and a privilege, and I'm grateful to be here this morning. So, um, basically, I've been up and down the same 25, 30 pounds for a long time. And right now, by the grace of God, one day at a time, I'm down those 25, 30 pounds through working this program, connecting with fellows, and uh, having a higher power. And so, um, originally I came to program in 2009, but things hadn't become unmanageable enough yet. Um, you know, I come to meetings, listen, share sometimes, it felt all warm and fuzzy. But then, you know, I never got a sponsor, I never worked the steps, never did anything, and pretty quickly left. Because it wasn't time yet. But then in 2011 it was time, life became unmanageable enough. and. Um, what that looked like leading up to that was, uh, you know, things started going south for me in my professional life. Um, I ended up, I was on my way to losing probably the bigger portion of my contract at work, which I could kind of see it coming but didn't really know at the time. But uh, what that looked like food-wise was me mainlining candy all day long just to stay afloat, you know. and. I was fully aware of what I was doing, but I was completely powerless over it. Um, I ate so much candy, it was just constant. And as things, different things would happen at work, at the time work was sort of the main focus. I mean, I had a pretty disastrous situation in my family of origin, which that was sort of a long-term kind of chronic thing that was difficult and painful. But the work thing really is what was catching my attention at the time. And um, God works in mysterious ways, but God will pick the way to get your attention most obviously. And, and for me, it took that. And um, so as things were going south and different things, you know, unpleasant things were happening, I was just eating more and more. And every good habit that I had, because good habits would come in every so often. You know, when I would, along the way, along the last 20 years, sort of my adult life, I've done a lot of diets and they'd work. You know, I'd lose weight and I'd exercise. And I'd do all that stuff, but then um, it would eventually get to the point where it stopped working. So at this point, I, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big bike rider. I actually rode with a friend, fellow we rode here today. And so that's to fast forward of recovery. That's something that's a gift of this program. But back then I used to do it. It's just that um, because I was so unhappy and miserable and in my disease, I stopped doing that. I stopped any kind of exercise. Um, I used to bring lunch to work, and I stopped doing that. I started having, a, along with all of the candy, things like sweet rolls, and you know, all that stuff started creeping into the lunch, and the lunch was big, and you know, and it just it was a nonstop eating all day long. It was a constant grazing, and um, again, I you know, I was fully aware. I thought, you know, you can't really go on this way. You're going to probably become diabetic. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a consequence, but I couldn't stop it. And um, so it, it, that went on. And then the, the news came that um, I lost a really good portion of my work. And it put me into a real depressed state. So I, I you know, went home and sort of pouted and moped for a couple of weeks. And then realized that, you know, it's time for me to come back into a 12-step program. So I said to my partner, uh, you know, I think I need to do this. She's like, yeah, I think you do. And um, so then I, I went back and, but this time around going to program, 
I was struck mute. I really didn't feel like I could even talk or share. I was so steeped in shame and pain and um, feeling not good enough. And just everything was like I was just on my knees completely. And the food was, you know, it was almost like that was just one part of it. It was just I was felt broken, you know. And um, so, you know, before program in my adult life, I did have a strong connection to a higher power. But that higher power never felt I, I never connected it to anything related to food, nor did I really connect that higher power to feeling good enough about myself. Somehow the higher power was, a, a, you know, like I felt like God, well, God is everything or God is nothing. I, I felt like God was in control of everything and um, that somehow you could tap into that and there was a spirit and, and maybe it was a kind spirit, but I just never felt that um, God could help me feel better about myself, you know. And um, then this, this interesting thing happened. This is kind of toward the end of things. It was before I got the program. It was... Things were going south at work. And um, I remember being at home one time and saying to my partner, I said, you know, I feel like I'm losing my soul. And I just was so dejected and demoralized. And then I went to work one morning and I'm walking out from the garage. And normally there's a lot of people around. It's a crowded place. But this day there was nobody there. And as I'm walking out, I see this bird, a tiny bird on the ground taking its last breaths struggling for life and it hit me so hard it hit me in my heart and I and I picked up the little bird and I held it in my hands and I held it until it took its last breath and then I just sobbed it was like it was a, it was a spiritual experience before I even got to program telling me that yes you're, you still have your soul it's still there and it was a it was a message from God like things are going to be okay but so I, I took the little bird and I put it aside because, again, there's a lot of people around there. So I put it on a grassy area. And every day until eventually the gardeners came or whatever happened, I'd look for the bird and make sure. And I, was, I was hoping that maybe somehow God would help it decompose before something else happened to it. But that was a very profound experience. And somehow it, it told me, okay, you're going to move forward. But things would get a lot worse before they got better. And... Um, so I started going to program and I, this time I got a sponsor within two weeks and I started working the steps and you know it took a long time it took me almost two years to see any physical recovery but within that first time frame what happened was I started having resentments lessened for me because I walked in here with so many resentments and I had white hot hatred of so many people I mean people in my family of origin people that were like friends of the family who you know, just people that I thought were awful people at work I thought that I would never there, there's, there were people at work that I thought I don't know how I will ever stop hating these people I don't know how that's going to happen <laughs> you know but I'm here to tell you fast forward for anybody who's listening to this podcast that um, for any newcomers that if I can stop hating, anybody can stop hating. And God's in charge of that, you know. So, I mean, right now, and, and I'm going to jump around a little bit because the, to kind of make correlations to the way it was and to the way it is now, okay. So the way it was before, there was a particular couple of people at work that I just hated them. Wow, I just, like, and, and it was mutual. And it's like we, we kind of, like, almost grooved on, like, hating each other, you know. It was one of those kind of dysfunctional things. 
But I can tell you right now that both of those people, I like them. And I actually, when I go to work and I see them, I'm, I'm there part-time now, so I don't see them all the time. But partly because we don't have to work directly together anymore. We can laugh, we can talk, we can shake hands, we can joke. One of them gives me a hug all the time. Now, you know, this, it wasn't like that before. And so that, that's a miracle of this program that I can let go. So I, I sometimes think of those people when I'm struggling with something, I think, okay, God helped me to like those two guys again. So if that can happen, why can't X, Y, or Z get resolved? And even though X, Y, or Z, Z is not getting resolved right away, I think, okay, well, maybe it can. Maybe, maybe there's hope for that to happen. Because, you know, it's easier said than done to, to trust when you're in a triggered state, I mean, at least for me. And so, you know, we, it, we talk about what, like, what's spiritual fitness? You know, what does that look like? So, you know, there's, um, in the big book, there's the place where it says, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. These are thoughts which must go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line all we wish. It is the proper use of the will. Okay, that distills down to willingness and acceptance. Okay, and so those words, it's easy to throw those words about. What does it mean? Okay, for me, on a feeling level, what spiritual fitness feels like these days is keeping my heart open in the face of pain. Because, and that's something that I've been talking to my sponsees about, that when my, when my heart is closed, is that 10 left? Okay. Okay, thanks. When my heart is closed, then I'm trying to numb out. Because if I'm not willing to feel pain, then I become restless, irritable, and discontent. And then I'm hungry. And so it's, <laughs> that pattern follows. <laughs> So because you're laughing, I guess you get it. You know, that's good. Um, so that's the struggle, though, when I'm triggered in a triggered state. And there's a lot of things that still trigger me. That, that hasn't changed. But what has changed is my connection to my heart power. And I can remember what those spiritual feelings feel like when my heart is open and that love pours out and that, and that feeling of connectedness. And it's just... It's like a, a radiating feeling that um, it's a physical sensation. It's a um, emotional. It's, and and for me, a lot of times those spiritual things happen in the um, most of the time in that state between sleep and wakefulness. And um, I try to remember it when I'm awake. And but my mind takes over, and the mind is the will. It's like so. How do I know the difference between God's will and my will? And um, so I try to, I think for me what that's looking like is my will is heightened emotion. It's demand. It's need. It's um, anger. It's all those things. And they feel very real in the moments. And they feel very overpowering. God's will is the open heart, the, the radiating of love, the willingness to feel pain at the same time of feeling the love. God's will is a knowing, a deep knowing in your bones of something, even though it may not happen immediately. I'll tell you a, a little story that just happened recently about that, that 
we recently got a cat. We've been without, we've been catless for about two years, and then now we are catful. So, <laughs> so this cat, I knew that if I get a cat, I'm not going to have to go out and chase and find her or him. This cat will find us. So, we were coming home from dinner one night, and she literally jumped out of the darkness and walked with us to our door. And um, she had a collar on, though, so it means she belonged to someone else. So long story short, we let her stay the night because we couldn't find who she belonged to immediately. It was evening. And then um, it turns out, after determining that she had a chip, that she did, in fact, belong to someone else, and this person reclaimed her. But what happened in between that, okay, was... I felt in my bones, she's going to be my cat. Like, are you my cat? Yes, you're my cat. I felt it in my bones. But then we had to give her back. And so it made me really wonder, what, is my intuition right? Is it valid? Do I, am, I, you know, am I sensing things? Like, can I really sense anything from my higher power? And then I really questioned that. And that was just as disturbing to me as having to give the cat back. But then it turns out we, we ended up talking to the person who she belonged to. And... You know, we told him, hey, you know, if you ever want to give her up, we'll take her. We, we love her, you know. And um, his life is in chaos right now. And so he made the decision to give her to us. And so she ended up being our cat. So I was right, but it didn't happen in the order that I think it should happen in. So that's the lesson of, like, it's always God's time, God's will, and things happen as they're supposed to. So um, and then the opposite of that is when things happen where I think, oh, like, something's terrible, oh, I'm never going to hear from this person again, they're never going to call me, or it's never going to happen, and then they call, you know. So it's kind of like the two opposites. It's the God's will thing, it's like you, it's a knowing, it's a feeling, and it's, it comes without the um, strife and uh, torture. So I guess that's, that's my spiritual sense. Um, what else do I want to say about, like, that's, that's the biggest thing of, you know, as far as my, uh, like, my abstinence, what I do, my, the way I work my program, I go to usually five OA meetings a week. I'm in another program as well, and, um, was that five left? Okay. Um, oh, ten left? Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure I can come up with something to yap about it. That, um... What happened in, in this program, so I guess I should tell you a little bit more about um, increments of willingness were the thing for me. Once I, it was actually the timing worked out about um, almost two years in, and interestingly, it coincided with being kind of almost done with step nine, kind of early step ten, that I became willing enough to really put the food down and really start exercising again. I mean, I was technically absent all that time. I'd have my three meals with my two optional snacks. But they were bigger meals and bigger snacks because I had to survive from one snack to the next meal to the, you know. Because I was, like, really afraid to be hungry. Because before I was just eating all day long, so I didn't have to be hungry ever. And then I was, I was really afraid that if, I ever, if there's a time in between that I don't eat, then I might be hungry. So, um, like, increments of willingness happened. And they coincided again with the step and with... Actually, the, 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 when we became catless, it was in April of 2013. And so it wasn't very long after that that I became willing. Because I thought, you know, it's just, I can't go back to my old ways. It's really, like, disrespectful. And, you know, it just doesn't honor any of this. So um, 
I ended up actually injuring my elbow at some point and went to physical therapy. And so physical therapy, it was really sort of a fancy form of strength training. And I realized once I started doing that, like I really need to do this a lot more. I need to get into it and be more consistent about it. So that's when I, um, I started doing strength training regularly. I started stepping up, riding my bike more. Um, and then I started really cutting back on the food and really looking at it and, and really being accountable about what I take in. And then the weight came off. And, that's, and it's been off one day at a time. And what's different at this point about that is um, exercise used to be a method for me to, to eat more. Now, I can't qualify as an exercise bulimic because I could always eat way more than I could exercise. But, <laughs> you know, but it was... It used to, it would be, there would be balance with it, but exercise always felt like a chore. It was just this thing of like, okay, it's like putting money in the bank to spend later. I, you know, like, okay, if I work out this much, then it, it buys me a dessert or something, you know. And, um, but now I see exercise very differently. Exercise is a gift. It's a joy. Again, you know, we rode our bikes here, and that was like the greatest gift. Like, I love doing that. I feel really free and happy on my bike. I don't see it as a chore. I don't see it as like... I don't see it as, oh, well, I rode here today and I'm ride back, so that means I could have an extra big dinner. No, I don't really see it that way. It's, um, you know, even though I like to pretend I'm 29, I always say this to everybody, that I'm really not. I'm 55. And so I'm grateful at this point that I can ride my bike, that I can do this stuff. And, um, you know, this program is like a second lease on life of, you know, giving me a chance to experience like a youthful sense and to get my body back, you know. And... Um, so I have a lot of gratitude for that. And, uh, you know, but what's interesting, too, is for me that I, I put down feelings. Like, I, I don't want to have feelings. I don't really like to. It's uncomfortable. I'd rather be numb. Well, not, not anymore. But numbness, again, cuts out the joy. So when I put down the food and I, you know, really started exercising, doing all this stuff, the feelings came up loud. And um, I got really depressed. So... You know, you always hear people say, if you want to um, know why you eat, stop eating. And so I found out why I eat. And, uh, and, it, and I thought, you know, that's not really, doesn't make sense because I feel like I've had so much pain throughout my whole life. But this was a, like a different character of pain. Um, and, you know, I guess you always think, oh, well, when I lose weight, I'll feel better. And, and you know, on many levels, I do. I mean, I like wearing smaller clothes. I like feeling strong. I like all that stuff. That's a, it's a great bonus. It's just... It's not the entire package. It's like it's serenity is a different thing. Serenity is um, it's not. It, it comes from that higher power. It comes from that heart, open heart thing. And um, so it drove me into the graduate program of Al-Anon. And um, <laughs> you know, and I've been doing that for the last year and some, and worked the steps in there too. And that's helped. It's helped a lot. And but it's still it's a work in progress. It's progress, not perfection. I mean. I still get triggered very easily, and I still have some, you know, it's, it's again, you know, I always hear people say the peeling back the layers of the onion, and it sounds so cliche and trite and everything, but it's true. And, um, and for me, it's, it's really been that. Um, what is it? You said five now, or is it five? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the onion is being peeled back, and I keep learning more about how I respond to situations and you know, it, it often boils down to really base level things that, of, um, you know, it's not a matter of blame anymore of what happened in my life. It's more, it's understanding that um, the influences of my upbringing 
have they know, they've no doubt colored who I am and um, but I don't blame those things anymore I just realize that, that whatever wounds that those things have caused that I have to do work to heal them now and um, that's what program is and it's a gift program is balance it's a way to learn balance it's a way to learn how to the biggest thing too is I, you know I see this program as a way to learn how to connect because I'm not very good at that and I get to practice that every single day by doing all the things that I'm supposed to do like showing up at meetings and um, having sponsees and having a sponsor that I contact every day having fellows that I contact um, and then those by doing those things repeatedly they become it becomes more comfortable to actually do them in my personal life because you know I have this sort of base level thing that nobody wants to hear from me I don't think people want to hear from me but it, it's not true and and when it gets mirrored back to me with from other people then when they say that or they're like that and I, and I realize you know everybody's a mirror we all learn from each other and um, so I learned that in this program connecting is something you just do it you keep practicing and then it becomes like act as if and fake it till you make it and those things really work because you just keep doing it and then it happens and then it becomes real and um, the default is still there the default not good enough you know this isn't you know I'm, nobody likes me it's still there but it's less it's, a, it's that that has definitely shifted and gotten better and consequently it changes the, the it helps my willingness not to eat because the food is always a great solution and it's not but it's not it's not a good solution and now I realize that because it doesn't work the same way I mean oh yeah sure I can get high off of eating something but I know I'm going to be miserable afterwards so that it's not worth it so I just have to stay present and be willing to have my heart open while it hurts and be willing to turn up the dial on suffering willing to, willingness to suffer because if you're willing then it doesn't have to be as bad if you spend all this energy trying to avoid the pain it's going to come anyway and it's going to be more crushing than it has to be so um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll stop there and, I'm, uh, and I guess move forward with um, our format here this is the time for questions only there is no sharing at this meeting if you need to share please do so with any one of us after the meeting also please remember that the opinions of the leader of are my own and not those of Orators Anonymous as a whole when asking questions you need not identify yourself please remember if you ask a question your voice may be audible on the OA podcast thank you so much for your lead um, what do you do in those moments when you're sitting there with your heart open and you're suffering okay um, like the question is what do I do in those moments when I'm in the sitting there with my heart open and I'm suffering writing is a big tool for me I write a lot um, I feel like it's a way to get the emotion out on paper and to, um, to really see it and then I'll sometimes go back and read it later because it, it helps me remember how I felt and um, I also write directly to God I'll, I'll do a dear God letter a lot and then sometimes I'll actually do God's answer back to me and um, often that answer is really it actually is real it actually happens that way not always but um, a lot of times it calms me down enough so I can sleep 
a lot of times that happens at night, you know, to, um, uh, and, you know, and if I'm triggered at night, let's say I'm trying to sleep, I, I repeat this various prayers over and over again to help me sleep. I'll, you know, third step, serenity prayer, um, St. Francis prayer, uh, seventh step prayer, all of them just over and over again, and they help me calm down. Sometimes, um, depending on what kind of trigger it is, it helps to talk to someone. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's better for me just to write. And, um, or sometimes what I'll do, I'll reach out in a way of just text a bunch of people and say, how are you doing? And say hi, to feel connected. Um, because sometimes whatever the trigger is, it's not really necessarily appropriate to even talk with someone about. But, um, but to feel connected is actually the uh, sort of it makes me feel better. So I do that. Does that answer your question? Um, thank you. For um, step six and seven, can you talk about how you identify your shortcomings? Hmm. Okay, the question is, how do I identify my shortcomings for <coughs> step six and seven? Um, well, my shortcomings are pretty, they're pretty clear. They came up real early. <laughs> um, six and seven was a way to sort of delineate what they were. And um, I guess you can, I can say that they all come from, they all stem from fear. And, uh, but to identify them, I mean, I guess that's just, it was through the work of the other steps that they became more glaring. I think after I gave away my fifth step, I was sort of left with what my defects were. You know, it's like, huh, wow. Like, cause certain layers got lifted after the, you know, doing the fifth step. And it was just, I was kind of left with, hmm, like I'm, uh, like this, this, there's still a thick layer of mess, you know, and um, I don't know if this is answering how I came to it, but it just, you know, looking at the list of things, it's like, it was pretty easy to identify, you know, like judgmental, critical, you know, all those kinds of things come up and many things and, um, and but fear it's all fear based and um, I think I, I like to distill things down to their base level and I think fear is really at the root of all of it so I hope that answers thank you so much um, during the time when you were um, in your disease mm -hmm. and living with your partner how was that well, I'm not the easiest person. The question is, how, how was I with my partner, you know, living in my disease? And uh, I'm not the easiest person to live with. You know? <laughs> um, but I guess, um, how is that? She's a very tolerant person in many ways and um, has been always very supportive of my recovery. So I'm very grateful for that. I mean, um, I, so I guess if you're asking what, as I was going through recovery, is that, is it, no, or before that? Oh, before, okay. Well, you know, she used to worry about um, how much I ate and um, like sometimes would say things like, you know, because I mean, when my weight was up and she'd see how much I, you know, candy or whatever, I like, it was like nonstop. And um, so she'd express concern sometimes about that. And uh, I also just like was hardly present, you know, and I mean, the thing is, we're both, at the time before that, we were both kind of workaholics. And um, so, it, you know, it, I guess you develop certain 
ways of communicating and like you know you come home and you grouse about your day and blah blah this person and that person so I mean we did a lot of that of talking about this and that and how it's horrible and and so I mean things have changed um, since then uh, I guess, I guess it's, it's almost doesn't matter at this point how it was before because now you know that I've been recovering she's ended up going to Al-Anon too and um, so that's really helped our communication be more positive and be less in the victim role and less like why is this always happening and how everybody's awful and you know because it's, it's very easy to go to that place and like talk about people all the time because like for me I grew up in a house where all my parents ever did was talk about other people and not in a nice way so <laughs> it was so it was compare and despair from early on that was an inf- one one not so great influence of my upbringing which doesn't leave right away you know and so I don't know if this is a roundabout way of answering your question but um, so all those characteristics were sort of part and parcel of the way we interacted but now it, like it, it's we've always been able to communicate though that was, that's been a gift that somehow God sought, sought for me to have somebody who was willing to be with me in my disease which I'm grateful for so thanks um, thank you for your really great share. This has to do with the beginning. Um, I can relate to that sugar. And um, I have been here for two and a half weeks, so I have given up, I believe, sugar for about a week. And I'm, I'm starting to feel really loopy. Um, <laughs> like I got dizzy just like looking downstairs, and I wanted to know... Um, if, if you experienced that, how did you, you know, find a way to counter that so that you know you didn't go back to the sugar? Okay, well, I, let me be clear. I, I haven't cut sugar out of my food plan. I just like there's some specific things that I do. Like I don't eat candy at work because it was too triggering, but I still I do have you know sugar now and then. I mean, it's not as much as what I used to have, so I, I don't know that. Um, I just I think that by balancing my food in general and making sure that my um, my sort of my blood sugar doesn't drop too low at any given point like I I call it five feedings a day and so sometimes the snacks or the meals get interspersed it just depends on the time but I kind of don't let too much like I don't usually let more than three or four hours go by between feedings and to make sure that my blood sugar doesn't drop you know so I feel better you know and so maybe that's I don't know if that's an answer for you but um, to look at like how the frequency of food and, and what what you're consuming plus and um, I think those kinds of symptoms will probably go away you know once but it's an, it's an evolving process you know what we eat and how we eat and over time it changes you know and if it doesn't look exactly the same we have to be and that's where the willingness comes in to like look at it and see all right what's working what's not working and you know and I tend to eat a lot of the same things all the time when I'm home and it changes if I go on a trip but um, like I eat a lot like the same dinner a lot you know because it's easy and it's like balanced and I feel good after I eat it and it satisfies me in many ways so it's like you find certain things that are like your go-to foods and again that just takes and that's from talking to people and like oh what do you do and and hearing and people's experience strength and hope and then you come up with what works for you because that's the beauty of this program is that there isn't just one way to do it there are many 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 ways to do things that as long as it works 
it's where it differs from other programs where it's black and white. You either don't consume this or you do. You know, this, we still all have to eat. We have to, like, make peace with our food. So that's, for me, I've kind of, I think I've made more peace with food. And so I don't know, hopefully that's answering in a roundabout way your question. Yeah. Thank you. Well, okay, it's interesting. They weren't exactly on my list, but um, God took care of it in, in ways that, like, it, it happened at work that, um, well, it's going to be almost a year ago, that a colleague had suggested, some, somebody was, was retiring, okay, and so a colleague suggested, why don't you reapply for your old position? And so I did, and we went through the whole process and had the interview and everything. And so the one guy, one of whom um, I hated, he had a party at his house for the guy who was retiring. And so I was invited to it because at that point it wasn't, you know, clear how things were going to go. And so I thought, oh, my God, I have to go to this guy's house. Like, how's this ever going to go? And you know what? That's where the healing took place is I went to this party and all was like we we kind of made our amends in, in an informal way. And um we, I could, you know, I could express like my appreciation for being invited, and we all kind of like basically kissed and made up, and it was all good. So that that's how. It, and so for the other guy, it was more just I'd see him around at work all the like on the days that I'm there, and um, it, somehow we just went back to the way we were originally because originally we liked each other, we still laugh all the time, and then we started hating each other along the way somehow because of different reasons. But now we could go back to the original way where we could. So, so it wasn't like I formally had them on my list. It just it kind of evolved to where um, the opportunity came up when the timing was right and God's time to have, have that be healed. Does that answer? Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. I'm sorry, I missed the beginning of your, your share. So if you shared on this, I'll talk to you about it later. But I um, mentioned God a lot. Mm-hmm. I found the mm-hmm. program is my connection, but I'm kind of trying to open up Interesting. The question is, his program um, opened me up to my religion of origin, and no, the answer is no. I mean, I, I consider myself like, um, you know, it's not like I'm going to change that religion for anybody or anything, but I don't observe it um, in any real formal way. I mean, I'm proud of it, I, you know, but I, uh, it's not, um, my spirituality is more uh, free-flowing than that. I don't, I don't subscribe to any particular religious uh, tenets of sorts, so, yeah. Thank you very much for your share. Could you talk a little bit about um, your, the evolution of your higher power and also what you do on a daily basis? Okay, so the question is the evolution of my higher power and what I do on a daily basis to connect. Um, okay, well, I guess I'll answer the second part first. That on a daily basis, I pray and meditate. And, I, and sometimes it's, uh, I'll miss the meditation because I have to get up really early these days. I've, my schedule sort of changed a little bit. But I really um, I tr- I get on my knees and pray every day. And I really like to sit down and meditate for at least 15 minutes. And the way I do that is um, I have some chance on my phone so I don't have to time it I don't have to have some intrusive buzzer or something that tells me it's done just when the music is over then I know that it's okay it's time and um, the evolution of my higher power where um, now I feel like um, there's this it's this heart thing like 
when my heart opens and it often happens in that time between sleep and wakefulness that that's where I feel it um, very acutely and uh, I mean years before program I started reading different outside literature you know different literature that kind of led me to believe like in sort of a spiritual way and I kind of brought that into program with me of, of, of the way I see or feel about a higher power and then it's evolved being here um, that God speaks through people which is something I didn't really think about that much before that's um, you know more of a message now God does speak through others and that's the whole thing of why I think um, it talks about in the big book to um, ask other people for their opinion don't just assume that you know that God's telling you the way to do it check it out with somebody else first which is not my normal way to do things so um, so yeah that's another way to connect with higher power is to actually talk to other people and sometimes that, that message comes through that way so hopefully that answers thank you so much Grace um, sounds like at least in your work making judgments and acting upon them is an important piece of what you do mm. uh, is the kind of judgment that you no longer want to be in six step kind of no longer want to be in just a question of open mindedness for you about that judgment or is it more than that Huh. Okay, let's see, how do I answer? Um, the question of open-mindedness regarding judgment. And well, some of them are valuable. Oh, right, of course. Well, I think um, one way that it was put to me by someone, um, actually outside a program who's very spiritual, is that, um, or maybe I'm trying to think who said this, but when you apply judgment, um, like it works in a professional way, but when you apply it like in relationships with people then it doesn't work because it becomes critical then so I, I try to be have an awareness about that that okay am I being critical am I being judgmental and you know what and sometimes it still happens I mean I'm like certainly not like it's not been entirely lifted and I know that um, it still probably puts people off but um, I think it's, it's better than it used to be you know so yeah I guess okay it is a question of open-mindedness and awareness of okay am, am I doing this now because it's always I'm always acutely aware when other people are doing it but <laughs> that's easy you know like when they're when I feel like I'm on the receiving end of that but um, on the giving end of it yeah I, I don't know if, if I'm quite answering this directly but um, yeah I think it's just it's a matter of awareness you know, like to in the moment to know if that's what they're even doing, which. But the other side of that is, you know, you can think that um, you're doing it. You can't be responsible for how someone else perceives it either, you know. So there's some things you say and other people are going to be like, wow, that was really judgmental or they're all put off. And it's like, well, didn't intend that. And can't be responsible for that either so Um, what do you do with resentments that come up or they don't anymore Mm -hmm. that used to come up okay well yeah I still am good at brewing up a new resentment here and there which (laughs) (laughs) relative frequency yeah and so um, there's a um, sort of condensed fourth step that my sponsor had sent that I sometimes I'll do that and um, 
kind of work through it. And I, again, writing. I write a lot when I feel resentful. And um, I really try to uh, work through it better, you know. Because, like, the thing is, the longer it sticks around, it just eats, it eats you up, you know, and um, eats me up. So I try to somehow get it settled one way or another. And, um, but sometimes things don't get settled immediately. So it's just, you have, it's the willingness of the, to sit with the discomfort of it, too. And then to try to turn it around and, and maybe see it some different way. Because you know, that's what the fourth step, writing a fourth step for me, the experience of that was um, a change in perspective. Like remembering all the old stories and writing them and realizing, oh, well, maybe I, it wasn't like this. Maybe like, or maybe that it was only partially like this, but it could have been the other person's perspective could have been this, this, and this. And it really, in the end, wasn't about me even though I maybe caught some kind of unpleasant consequence from it. So I guess it's just trying to reframe the, um, the outward look related to it. Would you mind describing um, uh, the, the format of that condensed one Okay, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much like uh, doing the columns like you just write the person and the, you know, the little, but it's real short, a short little description of what bothers you and, uh, you know, and then you get to your part and then there's like a sort of a meditation around um, your part and then you kind of sort of channel some writing. So it's almost like the writing, dear God, so you're asking what's my part and then it, it like kind of try to get quiet and let it come through. And it, what's nice about that thing, it gives some feeling words. It tells you to pick out some of the words of... Um, the effect words like, you know, and, and your feeling about it. And there's like a little piece of it where you tell yourself the story as if you're a child. So you let yourself have all the like pain and outrage and whatever you want to feel about it. And uh, it, it, it's a pretty good process, you know. And um, I mean, I think any any tool that you pick up in that moment to, to kind of de-escalate the emotions. And I think... If you can get quiet enough, for me, if I can get quiet enough to, like, meditate, which is hard when I'm really triggered, but um, that's, like, the best place to go, I think, because it ends up being where the answers are, you know, of, like, just sometimes God's voice is just, just relax, just, just relax, you know, so hopefully that answers. Um, <coughs> uh, can you tell us... Um Okay, the family of origin question. Yeah, well, you know what that looks like? Um, there is some peace, but it, it's pretty toxic. But it, it's more sad toxic than anything else at this point. And um, I'll wrap up that. Um, but there's peace. And so, like, there's no white hot hatred anymore. And so that's, that's the gift. That's, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I actually meant to say that, that that's part of what the um, spiritual experience looks like, to not have to hate them, you know. Thank you. <laughs>